Hello and welcome to the In the Pattern podcast. This is episode 58, Bravo. Uh, we are continuing the adventure the guys had to Catalina Island. So uh, without further ado, enjoy. So so I'll back up and I'll say the adventure started for me out of Lincoln. Uh, I, I left, uh, I departed Lincoln at about 7.20 in the morning. I got to uh, Palo Alto to pick up Fred at about 8.15 um, and then... Their tower, their tower guy that was there, um, was amazing to work with. I was able to to get in, land. He was ready to send me to parking. I'm like, no, I want to do a quick pickup. Um, he's like, Roger that. Cleared to cleared to what was it, Juliet? Uh, pick up your passenger and let me know what you want to do after that. You know, and it was, you know, they're super cool. And then we were uh, once. Once I had Fred, you know, loaded up and ready to go, and he got all plugged in, we're like, "All right, we're ready to taxi, uh, ready to take off." And he's like, "Clear to taxi, clear to take off." And you know, we told him what we wanted to do, and um, so we took off out of there with a, a right downwind departure and started heading south. And the the beauty of this and having Fred there and the conversations that we had that it was coincidental that he had just gone down to Bracket Field. Usually I pre-plan this stuff to, I mean, I need to be at this checkpoint. I need to go here. Very meticulous about my flight plan, but I knew that he had just done that. So I was like, we're not going to reinvent the wheel. And he was very comfortable with this flight uh, heading down to Bracket. So we just adopted his flight plan uh, that he flew the previous weekend. Uh, it was, it was a, the previous week, right? Fred? Um- it was about two weeks before. Okay. okay. So, so two weeks prior, so okay. we just adopted his flight plan to go down, and it was it was beautiful. It was the weather was great. Uh, um, we flew down at uh, seven thousand five hundred. The we had probably a two or three knot tailwind, so it wasn't too bad. And uh, yeah, it was it was brilliant. We uh, we went right over the pass, uh, the grapevine, basically just to the left of the grapevine for those that, that drive I five into into L A. Um, uh, we took the, uh, the Gorman VOR, took us right through that pass and down into the valley. And it was actually quite easy to manipulate or to, to navigate through that airspace. Um, if you want to jump in at all, Fred, go jump, go ahead. No, that, that, that's what I Yeah, I think Fred, Fred just broke out. So yeah, I, I could kind of hear him and I'll, I'll just repeat what he was saying. It was, yeah, we were down, uh, we were only at Palo Alto for it took about four minutes to get in and out, and uh, um, but the guys that were there, there were were uh, were awesome to work with. So if you if you've ever questioned into flying into some of the smaller airports in uh, in the Bay Area, don't don't hesitate because they're all really great to work with. As a whole, we've we've those of us that have flown up and you know, with NorCal, uh, 
all of the guys and gals that work at NorCal uh, are amazing, and they're 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 very flexible, and, and they if if they can work, if you ask them, you know, send a request, and and if they can work it in, that's they'll actually absolutely do what they need they can do to to try to work with you. Um, so anyway, so we headed south. Uh, we we basically went. Uh, down the valley, the the San Jose Valley, we went uh, just to the west of uh, San Jose International. Um, went down through the valley and uh, uh, headed down. Uh, we went to the through, like I said, the Gorman VOR. Um, one of the things Fred was starting to say was that uh, because he had done that trip two weeks before, he already knew that once we were on the other side of Gorman, we knew that we were going to have to switch to LA Center. So we were already prepared for that. Um, but having that that knowledge of doing it uh, doing it once before uh, made life a lot easier uh, for the run that we took down. Um, so it was really kind of cool. We got to see uh, Van Nuys. We got to see Ontario. Um, several of what uh, the famous airports down in down in LA. Um, uh, LAX from a distance is massive. We were probably twenty miles away, and it was clearly visible out there on the on the coastline. Um, this big, massive patch of runways out there was was quite impressive to see. Um, but anyway, we ended up we ended up making down in, in about uh, two hours, forty five minutes from Palo Alto. Uh, landed at Bracket. Um, we 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 once we landed at Bracket, which was super easy to get into. Um, we uh, landed and uh, Fred started making um, uh, texts or phone calls to Chris to try to coordinate. Uh, where we were going to meet and uh, it was going to take him a little bit of time to get there. So we needed to go get fuel anyway. So we just headed down to the fuel Island and, and kind of, kind of hung out there. And I, I, I topped the tanks off and, uh, and then shortly thereafter Franz taxis up and uh, which I thought was awesome because we'd found out, I think that morning or the night before that, uh, that Franz was going to come join us from Phoenix and meet up with us at bracket and, and then do the, do the, uh, the trip with us, which was, which was pretty cool. I love it. So I love it when an impromptu, uh, fly in just happens, uh, throwing out some Twitter and some emails and so forth, you know, I thought that was so cool. I know that you had flown and you'll probably talk about it, uh, also, but, uh, I thought it was really cool that, uh, that, uh, you flew with Bill, Bill wrote, yeah. um, once before during the week. And, but I, I thought it was cool that he was able to meet up with us again out on the Island. Yeah. Um, because I, I really enjoyed meeting him and talking to him. He's a very, very nice man. Um, very soft-spoken, um, but very, you know, a, a very, very nice guy. Um, and then his, uh, uh, I'm kind of jumping ahead, but his friend Jerry that was with him too was also a, a CAP pilot. Um, so we had some things in common to talk about. And uh, uh, very nice gentleman also to talk to. So, yeah, I was, re- I was really glad that we could, you know, make this group fly in bigger because it's you know it's a it's what social media is all about and the whole social aspect of general aviation sure both you both you guys beat your expected uh your expected arrival time i was sitting over there at the koa i had my uh, you guys told me about when you was going to show up and i had my uh transceiver on listening to traffic over there and i heard you both entering the pattern and i was like trying to gather up my people let's go we go let's we're gonna land we gotta go we gotta go let's go you know <laughs> So once once we were we were both fueled up, um, then you got there, 
you taxied up, but actually we didn't even see you come up. But all of a sudden you're just sitting there in the uh, in the archer or the uh, archer or era era archer. It was an archer too. I wasn't about to turn it off. It took me half an hour to get the thing started. <laughs> right. I love rental aircraft. We appreciated that half hour though, because Mark, if Mark remember while we were sitting there talking, uh, Cessna 172 serial number one, literally oh, yeah. rolled up on the ramp. That was the coolest thing. A, a, a guy actually shows up because this is kind of a little, a little bit of a backtrack. Um, Fred and I have been talking about, you know, other airplanes, and I've been, in, you know, kind of loosely shopping for an RV6A, RV7A. Um, perfect plane to do, you know, light aerobatic, um, but mostly for me for formation stuff, plus the fact that it's it's a 170-knot airplane at, like, four gallons an hour, um, which is super great for me guys <laughs> let's pinch the penny you know pinch the purse a little bit but anyway um so this guy lands and he's got a beautiful rv7a and he we start talking to him a little bit and then he goes oh yeah i'm waiting for my buddy i haven't seen him in a long time and he's flying in and yeah cessna 172 serial number 0001 we're like what, what? you have our attention <laughs> you know so we waited around for a while and this thing he taxis up and what a gorgeous airplane uh, it's you know the straight the straight vertical tail and in a museum yeah oh it, it was gorgeous and we got it we had a chance to you know peek inside and it it's so immaculately maintained um, and I think I don't remember the gentleman's name but he's only had it for a couple of months I think he said yeah he's he was an IA in California and I think one of his students had it well <laughs> one of his one of his clients slash students had it. And uh, he had an opportunity to buy it because the guy was moving to Arizona. But I think he said that plane's going to be at Osh for 2016. He's he's planning on taking it up there because he feels like it should be there. Sure, rightfully so. That'd be a heck of a journey for that for that airplane. But yeah, yeah. So it was really cool to see. I mean, that was you talk about aviation history in that airplane, and and but it was cool. We all got to kind of drool around it, and but then but then Chris finally showed up. <laughs> So we all fired up and, and, you know, uh, we all took, went down to the, uh, down to the, the run up end and, uh, what was it? Oh, eight, uh, zero eight, right. And, uh, Chris took off first, then we took off and then Franz was like right behind us. So we flew out as, as kind of, we set up some, some alarms cause we didn't have a chance to truly brief this properly because Chris didn't want to shut the airplane down. Um, but we, we flew down in as uh, a, what I called over the radio as a, a loose flight of three. <laughs> as, as ATC goes, are you going to fly? And Mark's like, um, loosely? Because <laughs> <laughs> okay. I didn't want to come on and go, yeah, we are. And because we didn't breathe we didn't correctly and only one of us should have had a transponder on and... We weren't really formed up correctly. We were just in trail, and <laughs> yeah, we were we were definitely less than a mile apart. And the guy goes, "You see this guy? You're six o'clock." Uh, yeah. Yes. <laughs> on my window. I yeah. He's like, "Do you have traffic? Do you have traffic?" You, you and he's he's talking to, to me and Franz back and forth. You have each other in sight, right? Yeah, because you know that SoCal's alarms were going off all over the place, and we we're together. Turn your alarms off. We're good. <laughs> but uh, Mark, Mark got to fly an actual intercept. You know, Chris, you took off before us, and you headed out on the path that you would. You, so you, you, Chris texted me his flight plan, so I put it in the fourth flight, and we were 
we could see where you were going to go. And we actually planned our flight plan uh, to actually fly an intercept. So we, we, we cut the corners and we managed to get to about 15 feet of you with an airplane that has the same airspeed. So Mark got to see how uh, that kind of rendezvous develops, which was, which was actually pretty cool. So that was a good, good experience. And then Franz got to practice his extreme slow flight by trying to... Yeah, <laughs> yeah that was fun. <laughs> that's a fact. That, that's a fact. Yeah. So, yeah, we as so we did our intercept, and, and uh, yeah, Franz had to slow flight. And, and I think, Franz, you kind of kept a little bit of... Little, di- little bit of a distance between us, but I was trying to get up as close to Chris as I could to practice my, my form two there, and uh, we we managed to, to to stay pretty pretty close there for a while, um, all, all the way out to the island. Um, you guys actually looked really. You guys actually looked like it was a coordinated event while I was back there, dragging around in the back, trying not to get in the way. But no, it looked pretty impressive. I, I got a couple pictures. I didn't have anything but an iPhone, so it wasn't that hot, but. But it, it looked pretty good. So some of the pictures that I saw, I actually and, and, and somebody had a video, and I think it was uh, I think it was from Fred. But uh, I, I did need to uh, to how can I say this? Um, have more trust in my lead. How how's that? Have more trust in my lead and get closer. Mm-hmm. I, I was purposely first like get closer, get closer. You know, suck in tighter. And I'm, I was it was a because I knew that Chris. Um, Dude, there is absolutely no reason why you should be trusting me as your. <laughs> and, 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 and you know what? Honestly, in the back of my mind, and it's nothing, just nothing with you. You, but you've never flown lead before, so I was going to give you a little bit of space in case you know what you bump the 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 yoke or so. It was just a you know I was just being safe and and but it still worked really well. Well, first of all, I'm like so we get out. We just crossed the. Um, the shoreline, we're barely out over the ocean, like maybe a minute or something. And uh, I tell ATC, hey, we're going to go ahead and cancel flight following. And he's like, all three of you? I'm like, yeah, all three of us. He goes, all right, I need to hear it from everybody. Oh, yeah. Everybody chimes <laughs> in, yeah, we're good, we're good, we're good. And so we, we flip over to our frequency so we can just talk to each other. I And I look back and bam, there you were. I didn't even know you were right there yet. You know, you were already up under my wing practically. So I... And I wasn't really flying the line that I had designed on my flight plan when I was looking on my moving map. So uh, I was trying to, you know, you you guys were probably trying to keep up with with where I was going, and I was probably zigzagging left and right a little bit. And then I handed the the flight controls over to my buddy who was in the right seat, and I was just telling him where to point it and stuff before I even knew you were trying to suck up underneath my wing. So here's the thing: we, when we we had, we pulled in on the on the under your right, like we were like Fred and I had planned, and we were there, and then we switched sides, and then I told you I said, okay, we're going to be up on your left side, and I'm starting to move in to get back to where I was on the right side, and I look and I see you spin, and you have a camera, and I went, all right, that's close enough because I don't know who that other guy is. <laughs> <laughs> He was doing great, and, and come to find great. out later, you know who he was. I was like, he was doing just fine, but I'm also trying to chase him because he was up and down a little bit, side to side a little bit. I'm like, okay, I'm good right here. Yeah. Um, but it was uh, intestinal fortitude. That's the word I was looking for. <laughs> I need a little more intestinal fortitude to, to, to fly tighter. But but uh, you know, next time we do it with with Ron or. Or uh, or one of the other guys, I, I will definitely do that. But uh, and like I said, Chris, it had absolutely nothing to do with you. But I just know that you've never flown lead before, and it was just a safety margin of safety for me. So I, I certainly would have flown uh, 
in a more straighter line at an exact altitude had I known that you were that you were that close already. But uh, it wasn't until after we'd already switched over to our frequency and got got rid of ATC that I found that out. And then I felt bad. I was like, oh dang, I didn't know I was zigzagging all over the place out here, and you guys are trying to. You know, Chris, though, we, we didn't notice. And the thing, once you get formed up, is you, you, become, you become our gyro, right? So if you turn, we turn. If you climb, we climb. And we actually don't notice. But we're so focused on, on staying in position that we're just following you around and yeah. hoping you take us to the right direction. But, you know, it's kind of funny, Mark. You, you talk about comfort feeling, which I think is exactly what it is. Um, there's two fundamental positions of formation. One's called parade, which is when we're usually between, and, you know, our standards are between five and seven feet, wingtip to wingtip, which is, which is, when you get used to it, quite comfortable. And, and there's little dirty secrets. It's actually much easier when you're closer because you get to see the small uh, movements in the airplanes. You get to react quicker. What we did on the way out to the island was what we call uh, a cruise or a route position. Uh, there's different words for it. But that's 15, 30 feet off. And that's actually quite comfortable as well. So, you know, with the, the proper, um, you know, the proper nose to tail separation, the proper wingtip separation and the proper uh, altitude separation as well. So all of that stuff, that's what we were working on as we were going out there. So I, it, it was actually pretty good. We, we had a good time. So I was going to say, um, Chris, one of the things that, uh, that, that Fred and I talked about uh, once we were down on the island is, you know, I was talking about, you know, you know, chasing and following and doing this. And, and he actually said it was probably a really good workout because it forced me to maintain my, my references, my visual references on, on your plane and to make those small adjustments. And when you were ready, ready to turn right, turn left, I was able to make those corrections and try to maintain my position. Yeah. So it was a good workout. I mean, if you would have been like on autopilots, you know, straight as an arrow, that's boring. Okay. I formed up to there. We're here. But with you making slight heading changes and, and altitude changes, it, it forced me to really, you know, work the yoke, work the throttle and, and, and stay, you know, in my, in my reference position. So it worked out well. And, and I have zero complaints because I, I, we had a hell of a day. I'll just say that <laughs> you know, whether we were a hundred feet away or we were, we were 15 feet away. It was, it was an awesome experience. Sure. Uh, so yeah, once we got probably, what did you call about five miles out, 10 miles out? I'd say probably five miles out when you, yeah. you started ready to, you wanted to start to descend down. So, um, what we would, what you wanted to go ahead and descend down. We had actually thought about this, um, but it was because of your comfort level that we we chose to actually peel off and do a 360 for spacing. But what we were going to do was follow you all the way down uh, and off of your wing, like and you know with some some space. And then we were gonna, you know, as you were landing, we were gonna fly over and then peel off and then come back around for spacing and, and do our thing. But when when I could kind of tell in your voice, you're like, okay, you guys are gonna do a 360 now, right? Okay, that means he's not real comfortable with us being on his tail, so or on his wing. I would have been so okay, but I just I didn't know you guys wanted to do that. In hindsight, I'm glad we didn't because I missed my landing and I did a go around. Well, we would have been ahead of you in the in, by that time anyway. Yeah, yeah, you would have already made your turn, I guess, huh? Yeah, yeah, yeah we would have been far clear of you because we would have already done that. We we would have been, you know, like like when you do a mist or you have to do the side step over. We were already there. We had appealed around, but. We, it's, it's totally fine, but I, I thought it would have been kind of cool for those people that were at the island, you know, yeah. here we come in and yeah. they'd be like, wow, that was kind of cool. <laughs> but, you know, um, so we peeled off, did our 360 for spacing. Um, and I think Franz, you did the same thing, didn't you? You were kind of way off out in the, in the distance. 
I did. Yeah, I heard that. I heard you call that you were going to peel off, and then I just waited for you to make the turn, and then uh, made the turn after you. So we're, it, it ended up working out really well. Perfect. Perfect. So we finally sat down. Uh, yeah, Chris had to make a make a a go around. Um, we we landed and taxied into parking. I can say that it's odd if you've never been out to to Avalon or to you know Catalina Island. The runway. Um, it's a normal size runway, but the way I think it's painted and the fact that it's on an upslope um, is a little bit deceiving. Uh, it seemed like a small runway to me, but once we were down, um, I mean, they used to land DC-3s there. They used to have commercial traffic there up until the 70s. Um, but uh, once we were down, everything was fine. I was like, oh, this is pretty normal. It's it's a rough runway. I'll so say the, that. Do you know the history behind that airport? Who built it? Was he, wasn't it Hughes? Wrigley. Oh, yeah. Wrigley Gum? Yeah. Wrigley Field, the owner of the Cubs. That's where his spring training was. He built that. No kidding. Wow. I didn't know. I had no idea. Mm-hmm. I had no idea. That's pretty cool. Whoever, so, whoever just said that was the it was a rough runway, that might be the understatement of the year. Yeah. yeah. I've been on I'm trying, road. I'm trying to be politically correct, and, and, and here's the thing. They charge everybody $25 to land there, and I'm hoping that they use that $25 because that place was packed. I hope they use that $25 and save up for new asphalt. I think they put um, the $25 <laughs> into the Buffalo Burgers because yeah. it definitely didn't go to the runway. Yeah, so so that was inter- interesting that you know you land, and it's it's kind of like rolling down on an old back uh, country road. Um, well, I mean, think of it. To get that asphalt there, they'd have to put it on a barge and put it across 39 miles of ocean, then truck it up the mountain. I, I'm sure everything on there is hot patched or cold patch, I should say. That's mile, true. Most expensive mile of asphalt you've ever seen. That's that true. being said, I don't know why they haven't uh, fixed that problem by just making it concrete, I guess. Yeah. No, true story. Uh, right the week before we went out there, I got a call from my flight instructor who called to borrow the Mooney because their <laughs> twin engine Seneca went out there and blew a tire on Catalina and he wanted to fly a tire out <laughs> to the Seneca. Oh my gosh. The runway was. <laughs> well, I, I saw a video. Um, I don't know if you guys follow uh, Mossy. Yeah. But he, he landed a Phenom out there yeah. uh, about a month ago. And, and, and I'm watching that, and it was just, you watch the video just go, blah, 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 blah. I'm like, oh, like, wow, is it really that rough? And then, you know, to land on it yourself, you're like, wow, it really is that rough. <laughs> Not great but, at all. So anyway, so we, yeah, we, we, we land and, and taxi, and there was a lot of aircraft there, which was cool to see. I mean, I'm glad it's it's a popular place to go and fly out to, and, and the GA is, is, you know, living up to what it's supposed to be out there. Um, so we parked, and everybody got down safe, and... We all had a great lunch. Um, if you guys want to chime in about any part of what you did, feel free. Um, I'd like to welcome John Conway the, to the conversation. Oh, hey, John. Hey. Hello. Welcome. Can you hear me? Welcome to the In the Pattern podcast. <laughs> What's your UTC offset? <laughs> and it's it's now... What time Zulu is at home for you? I was wondering. Uh, uh, same Zulu as it is for you, but in <laughs> Eastern time, it's it's uh, about eleven o'clock. Four four Zulu for you. <laughs> it's late. Uh, well, um, I I just jump in real quick here. Um, you know, before before I headed out there uh, for our Thanksgiving holiday, um, I had to do my BFR, and um, 
I had only, I was looking at my logbook, and I literally only did one other flight this year prior to my BFR. You sound like me. Is that pathetic? I mean, yes. John, yeah. John Conway territory. I couldn't mute, folks. <laughs> what? Yeah. <laughs> it, it was sad. So, so just to, you know, what was that? October, October 18th was my BFR. So I, I grabbed my, my flight instructor and, and, uh, we, I was wanting to just go do some flight, go do some touch and goes and a little bit of flying and, and he's like, no, we'll just do the BFR today. I'm like, dude, this is like my second flight of the year. No, because I, I, I couldn't count any of the Mooney time. Oh, that's right. My previous only flight that I got to count was my first flight in the Mooney, but I didn't get to count any of the Oshkosh flight, right? So, I mean, yeah, I've had my hands on the yoke and got to fly a little bit, but didn't count. Um, so he's like, no, no, let's count? do it now. What's that? Why wouldn't it count? Um... Well, because I hadn't been checked out in the airplane, therefore, you know, I don't see how it could count. You're the sole manipulator of the flight controls, and you're rated for the category. With yeah, and it, and, and it does. Yeah. I don't know how that works. How does that work? You log it. You log in time. Yeah, with, with, with a non-qualified person to give me instruction? You're no. qualified in the airplane, technically, not just not by insurance. Yeah, it's a single engine land under under. So Chris, because there's no SIC rating in that airplane. If you take control, you're PIC. That's it. You're not you're not pilot in command for the purposes of being PIC for the flight, but you are you can log PIC time. PIC time, correct? Yeah. yeah. Seems like a gray area, but maybe not it's really. Not, no, no, so, not at all. So it would be like me going to a Cherokee Six. Yes. I mean, I can fly. I can fly. Obviously, know I can fly pretty much all of the, the Warrior Archer Arrow line. I go to a Cherokee Six, and and it's it's as long as I've got um, high performance. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, as long as I have a high performance endorsement, then don't even I build, need it. I build hours. Well, I build hours in that airframe then. Yeah. Yep. I guess. If you're a sole manipulator of the flight controls and you're rated for the category, class, right. and type, which you are, airplane, sure. single engine, land. Mm-hmm. Then you need. Yeah, That's that it. means you need to go back and update your logbook. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. <laughs> anyway, so anyways, I, I went out and did uh, did uh, uh, 2.1 hours in my uh, BFR flight, not because I needed 2.1 hours specifically or anything, but we were just having a good time, and we went out and did our maneuvers, and I did six landings, all of which was part of a 15 to 20 knot crosswind. Um, so I got to land sideways most of the day. That's good practice. <laughs> we went over to Buckeye and um, and did some landings. That did landings there. My last landing, I landed, and then the then the wind decided to pick up the back end of the airplane. So I was on the front wheel and my right wheel for oh, wow. for probably fifty yards. That can wow. get expensive. Yeah, <laughs> it was forty. I'll say. Um, so that was the last one of those. That was number six, and then we went back to Glendale, landed it, and everything, and he signed me off. So. After that was my, uh, my my trip out to uh, um, Pomona for for Thanksgiving, as we had mentioned and stuff, and and so um, we went out there from Sunday to Sunday, and on Monday, um, Bill wrote uh, picked us up. He flew up from he's in San Diego, so he flew up to uh, Pomona to uh, Bracket Field there and, and picked me up. 
and I took my wife and uh, our friends Richard and Cindy. Uh, there are that's our our daughters in laws. Um, I don't know how that works. Are they my in laws? No, I don't know. Anyways, um, so um, that's our son in law's parents. So we, he picked us up uh, there, and uh, we flew up to um, um, Camarillo, which is beautiful. It's it must have the in my opinion the best airport restaurant I've ever seen in my life. It was gorgeous. Um, uh, we took off out of uh, Pomona, and uh, he, he was just super awesome when it comes to the briefing and making you know those guys very comfortable because Richard and Cindy um, weren't very comfortable. Michelle might have been a little bit more comfortable because she's flown with me a couple of times. Um, of course, I sat up front with, with Bill, and, and then uh, Michelle was in the back in the middle seat, and then... Um, and he's in a, a, a Cherokee 6 also. Um, and uh, Richard Cindy was in the back back, the third row. And uh, it was just as smooth as butter flying the whole way, even though there was scattered clouds here and there. Uh, we got above the scattered cloud layer, and it was just really nice and smooth. We had uh, um, downtown Los Angeles off of our left. We had the, the Hollywood sign off of our right. And then we, uh, after we passed LA and got, had it behind us a little bit, we headed south and got to the coast and was flying down right, right there with the coast of, um, um, oh, what do you call it? Yeah, Malibu. Uh, Malibu off our right wing and was just, you know, our jaws hit the floor looking at those homes on the beaches and on the, on the mountains on the, or not the mountain, but the, uh, um, you know, the, the coast there is it gorgeous. So we headed down, um, kept heading uh, down the coast there, and we came up to, um, uh, they call it Point Magoo, but um, um, Point Magoo uh, has a um, uh, naval air station there. And uh, so we, we, from there, we headed north a little bit, right over there to Camarillo, and um, landed there and had a nice brunch. And like I said, they have just, he said it's the busiest, uh, the busiest re uh, airport restaurant in California, and I can see why. It's just, it's gorgeous. I'll have to send you a picture. Or you probably saw a picture. They they have a like a mock-up of the whole airport, like miniaturized at the at the restaurant for like the kids to play on. So there's like a runway and like a miniature tower where ETC is blaring out of out of a speaker and everything. So cool. That is cool. You're gonna have to send me this information since I'm heading out to San Diego in less than a month. I know. We, Bill and I were talking <laughs> about it, so that was awesome. Yeah, yeah, I need to send him a message because I gotta get planning on this thing. But oh, it sounds awesome. It was gorgeous. Um, the crazy thing is, after we landed and we were we were taxiing to the restaurant, I'm looking out the right window and I go, "Oh man, there's the plane I learned I learned to fly in the the exact plane I got my ticket in November three five four Mike Alpha the Archer three I got my ticket in right there." And there's a couple of people walking around it doing doing whatever and then we're doing we're uh we're having i took some pictures of it and then um we we landed we had our lunch and stuff and and after lunch we walked over to the uh, cif museum there they had a uh, commemorative air force um museum there with a bunch of cool airplanes we were walking through and checking out and we walked back to uh bill's plane and as we're walking back there um 354 Mike Alpha is doing touch and goes in the patterns. I snapped a few pictures of it. I mean, I knew they sold the plane, but how weird I'd end up at the airport where it's, I don't know if that's where it's located or what, but they were doing touch and goes there, which I thought was awesome. I mean, small world, right? Absolutely.
So that was Monday, and then um, our plan was to go fly on Saturday. And uh, I'm just I'm so happy that uh, you guys were able to make it. I mean, Franz called me. Did you? contact me on was it friday the day before yeah it was within one or two days yeah franz franz wasn't necessarily part of the the plan in, in the beginning i mean I, I wanted him to come but he didn't know if he'd be able to and then he he texted me hey are you still planning on flying to Ca catalina on saturday i'm like yes can you come he's like i think i can come and bring jackson i was like dude that'd be awesome so you know he got to fly out here too tell, tell him about your flight out here how, how was getting past uh, uh um, it's Palm Springs. It was a pretty smooth flight until it's Palm Springs, and then you hit that, uh, I forget the name of that. Banyan Pass? Ban yes. Is that right? Uh, or Bannon? I, think it is, I can't remember which one it is, but yeah, I, I slowed down. I think it was 135 knots. I mean, I was just getting like crushed hitting a wall. right there. Yeah, just like hitting a wall. It was about an hour and 50, 50 minutes. or hour and 55 minutes from Phoenix. Beautiful approach, though, in a bracket coming right over that little body of water there. Yeah. Some incredible homes, and then we left out of there, but it was... No, smooth flight from Phoenix, an incredible flight back. I went back at 11.5 and caught the tailwind of the century. I was over 200 knots the whole way back to Phoenix. <laughs> That's awesome. Hey, oh, so show me great. a picture of your GPS. You're doing like 2.15. Yeah, it was, it was incredible. <laughs> and I thought, you know, okay, I'm going to get a little 20-minute window here. What a no, it was the entire way. Hour from, and a half? From the, from the waves crashing onto the coast back to Deer Valley was an hour and a half. I mean, wow. it was just it was, wow. That's, that's pretty a, zippy. Yeah, it was worth it just for that. <laughs> <laughs> Everything else, it was one of the greatest trips ever, but but uh, that part alone was, was pretty incredible. That was awesome. So um, so I had to go get checked out in the Archer with an instructor. Now, see, last year when I flew there, the instructor, I told him, I said, this is going to be a every year occurrence for me. I'm going to grab a plane. I'm going to Catalina. He goes, okay, no problem. Sounds good. I, he goes, just he goes. You can just grab the, you can just rent the plane. I'm like, I ain't gonna need an instructor at checkout each year. He goes, no, no, you'll be fine. I'm like, okay. Well, sure enough, they wanted me to go fly. And all, the only reason that was, come to find out, you know, they took pictures of my logbook and all that, and they could see that I'd barely flown last year. Hmm. It was it, that was good on them, right? That's fair. I, I, it's fair. I'd agree with that. Even though I just got my BFR like a couple weeks before that. So anyways, I went and did point six with the instructor. We went out and did some slow flight and, and some stalls and stuff like that, the normal stuff, and then came back and did one touch and go and a full stop and uh, called it a day. So he checked me out in, you know, with a half an hour flight. So that was pretty cool. So that was like, that was on Friday. And then, uh, and then Saturday is when we all met up and that, that was awesome. Bill, Bill was able to come because when, Bill picked us up on Monday. He didn't know if he was going to be able to come because he was going to have family in town or something like that. But, but uh, I'm glad he was able to make it too. So, uh, so yeah. After I finally got that uh, piece of trash Archer two, um, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to say that. <laughs> no, no, you're going to rent that again next year. Yeah, hopefully not. I, no, here's the Unless thing. Unless they listen to this. No. <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> no, here's the thing. I was supposed to rent an Archer three, right? But I wore the battery out on that one trying to start it the day before on Friday. So it wouldn't start. So I had to go to the Archer 2, which, which took some coaxing to get running. So um, I was really happy once we landed on Catalina that uh, when we left again, it decided to start. Because that was the, the most nerve-wracking thing. Yeah, so, I was kind of worried about that. Yeah. 
not a lot of services there on Catalina. You can't even get fuel. Sounds like me and the uh, diamond. <laughs> really? <laughs> Where they were like, uh, so you're not going to stop this after we get it started, right? And I was like, no, I'm not taking it anywhere. <laughs> two jump carts and... Uh, really? Oh. I think it took two hours, uh, yeah. <laughs> that's not good. Tiny little battery and it's got a... Um, yeah, it's annoying. Glass, glass cockpit? Or- uh, no, actually, a steam gauge. The problem was is that one of the jump carts was 12 volt and it needs 14. It will not start without 14. Um, there's a relay in there, and if it didn't get 14 volts, it wouldn't send it to the starter. <laughs> so, yeah, so it took two jump cars in like two hours, but <laughs> I've been there. It's not fun. So we were glad you started on the island there, too. So we were ready for you to take <laughs> to, to start. And we, saw, we saw your passenger get out, and we're like, uh-oh. But then he got back. Maybe you guys dropped something or something, and so... He got back in and you fired right up. We are like, okay, we're good. What's, oh. Leave, leaving Catalina. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, I just had him check to see if there was any, uh, I didn't check to see if there were chocks under one of the wheels. I just wanted to make sure. Gotcha. So, yeah, the flight out there was fantastic. Isn't it incredible how many different sectors you go through, how many handoffs we had in that short? It's 39 miles from the coast. Literally a 30-minute trip from POC to, to AVX, 30 minutes from point a to point b and we had like five handoffs and every time you look down there's a ginormous runway beneath you oh airports all over the place right what do we pass over john wayne well john wayne was off our left a little bit there was a um santa anna a military base Right, Um, right i forget what it is right there but yeah it was a good flight it was uh pretty calm um we had a good time i felt I remember last year when I did this that I said, no way, I'm definitely taking instructor next time just because the complicated airspace. Uh, but then, you know, the weeks leading up to it, I kept studying the, the chart like so in depth, like you wouldn't believe. I was just zooming in, zooming in here on, on Sky Vector, looking at the airspace. And then I sent a text message over to Bill. I was like, Bill, I'm, I'm planning on going over, you know, here and, and, and here's the idea I had. And he goes, well, why don't you just do this? And so Bill is the reason why we went the way we went. He goes, this is real easy. Just choose this reporting point and this reporting point, go to 4,500 feet and you'll be good. So he made me feel real comfortable about navigating that airspace and, and staying out of trouble. Yeah, he was super key to us getting down into San Diego, which we'll, we'll talk about in a minute here. But yeah, because Fred and I were looking at this going, hey, I said, this is where we're going to go. We're going to go to Montgomery Field and Fred's looking up on four flight. And he's all, wait, wait, what? You want to go where? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, but, but uh, Fred or uh, Bill and Jerry were both like, no, 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 no. You just, just go down the coast and you, you get to this point right here and you're good. You don't be one of the newbies down there and cut across because where we were going to go is a ton of crazy airspace. But, but anyway, finish, finish your story and then I'll jump back in. All right. So, so we're making our way, uh, to, uh, to Catalina. And, um, of course I, you know, I'm in the lead at, um, and, um, so anyways, that's when we go back to that story where, Hey Mark, you're going to do a 360 for spacing so I can land. Cause I mean, up until this point, Mark's like, 15 to 50 feet off my wing and I'm like going you know we hadn't really talked about what's going to happen here so I just assumed a 360 would be a good idea for spacing so he accommodated with that and 
And I, uh, I was way too stinking high for that approach. It, I don't know if it was just the sun glare or whatever, but it looked like there was terrain in front of the runway higher than the runway that I was going to have to clear, and that's the reason why I stayed so high. And then as I got closer and closer, I noticed that wasn't the case at all. It was just it was dark because of the angle of the sun and so forth on the front side of that mountain. Well, and in in your defense, you had four full size adults in the airplane. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, your sink so, rate was going to be. So I, I as I was getting closer, I'm, I'm like, I I pulled it back to idle. I had full flaps in, but with the angle of attacks I had towards the runway, I couldn't get any slower than a hundred knots. And so after I hit basically the edge of the runway, I knew I was a go around. So I just called a go around, and and then you guys went in front of me, and I got in last. That was a smart choice, though. Yeah, yeah. The second time through was much easier at having um, blew the first approach, anyways. But uh, yeah, even though that, and like we said, that that runway is uphill, and as you're settling in, settling in, it looks like you're going to run off the end of the runway until you crest that hill and notice there's another three thousand foot of runway in front of you. <laughs> so, it's pretty intimidating. Yeah, it's the first time I'd been out there, and it was. Did you, did you I, I watched it on YouTube, but it, was, oh. it still doesn't do it justice for when you're actually. I don't know if you heard that traffic. There was a guy going, hey, the winds are coming out of here, but you guys are still landing on, I forget what, what runway it is. And then the tower, the tower, not really the tower, but... One of the other pilots in the pattern, I think. No, it was, it was the guy that was up in the... I, I call, it's not a tower, a control tower. It's just where the where you go pay your $25 fee. Yeah, the guy kind of, the airport he, manager. He goes, yeah, it's a three-knot three tailwind, but you're landing uphill. It's recommended to land on this runway anyway, so... Two-two. Yeah. Yeah. So, and then we went inside and had a buffalo burger. Ugh. Mm. That was very tasty. That's what it's known for. Is 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 there's buffaloes on that island because they brought a bunch of buffaloes over for a movie that they made long time ago. They left them there, and so now you can get a buffalo burger at this uh, at this restaurant. Good food. Good food. Good stuff. And then others like Fred and a couple others had buffalo tacos, which I heard were really good too. Okay, so after we uh, after we all had lunch and we were uh, we we headed back to the plains and uh, again, if you've never been out to Catalina, I highly recommend it. So, John, if you have an opportunity, if you're going to be out there for a period of time um, and you have that chance, um, from San Diego up to Catalina is only like 45, 50 minutes, depending on what route you take. Um, yeah, I'm I'm trying to figure out what airport I'm going to be flying out of. Um, I got to look at what the open airplane ones are down there. Okay. So it's yeah, it's I want to do it. Flying up the coast is, especially during the daytime, is is amazing. You get to see a lot of the the coastline there, and you'll see everything. You'll see the the mountains and the awesome homes and really cool beach and the piers and. But it's awesome to go down there, so it's it's highly recommended. You just gotta kind of prepare yourself like we did for the for the airspace that you're going to be into. But uh, so anyway. Uh, we all uh, we all got started up and and, and taxied and um, we took off two uh, two and again that was kind of a weird thing because it's uphill um, and I, I'd say it's probably only a, I don't know maybe a four percent grade it, it's not substantial but when you're sitting down and you're taking off you're kind of looking uphill and you're like okay let's do this and. So, uh, Chris, it looks, like first. it looks like you're ready for a shuttle launch when you're at the base of the runway. <laughs> yeah, it, it really kind of did. It was, it was, 
it, nothing that uh, any of us have ever done. So uh, I don't. We, we never really had a chance to compare notes afterwards, but uh, it, it was interesting to take off uphill. I've but, done it before. Well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, so the plan was here. Here was our plan. We briefed us. We, we this time since since we since Chris wasn't uh, didn't have to uh, you know keep the engine running. Yeah. We briefed this one, and and what we briefed was that Chris was going to take off first, and just as he rotates, which is pretty standard operating procedure when you're going to fly form. Um, as soon as he rotates, we we took we we rolled right behind that. Um, and by the time he, and we decided that we were going to, because we'd never really seen the whole Island. So we were like, uh, instead of making a downwind departure and heading right back for the, sh- for the coastline, um, we actually did a, um, uh, uh, we took off and did a left turn out and f- basically flew a counterclockwise halfway around the Island. Cause we wanted to see the Marina and the rest of the Island. Yeah. So as Chris rotated, we took off and I firewall the engine and we're going and going and going. And I'm thinking, are we going to, because we're climbing uphill and I've got myself and Fred and, and a young man in the back seat. And Dude, did, we're like, did it seem like I took forever to rotate because it felt like I was going to drive off the end of the runway? Yeah, I was, yes. I was watching you and I'm like, is he going to take off? Is he going to take off? I was like, and then all of a sudden, then you just kind of like, you just kept going, yeah. which was kind of cool. It was a, it was a cool, it was a cool sight picture or a cool visual. I probably almost the, went out of sight before I rotated to you. Uh not really. Not that bad? Okay. No, it wasn't that bad from, from where we were at. But So as I start to, to roll, I, I'm going and, and I'm watching the, the airspeed. And we're, we're like, I don't know, 100 feet down and my, my airspeed indicator hasn't moved yet. And I went, huh. <laughs> huh. All right, let's see how this – come on, white lightning. Let's go with your extra horsepower. And then and then all of a sudden it comes alive and we're, we're good and getting beat up on the runway. But as, I'm, as I hit – for this, normally I can rotate at sixty at sixty miles an hour in this plane, and because that's the way the the, the airspeed indicator is miles per hour. Um, at sixty miles per hour, I can usually rotate. I let this go sixty five seventy. I just wanted a little bit more under the wings, right? Absolutely. So, so I, I, I'm I'm trying to take off, and because of the angle of the runway, I'm like up, and then it kisses the, the, the wheels again, and I'm up, and it kisses like this did this like three times. And then all of a sudden we're airborne. And I'm like, all right, we're good. And then I'm so f- I'm 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 focused on where Chris is because I gotta go. I've gotta go pursue him. And at a, all of a sudden I hear Fred go, whoa! And I'm like, what? What? And then I kind of look out of my periphery. At the end of the runway where you're where you're used to like a displaced threshold is a cliff. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> None of us had walked out there to see this to prepare for this. Um, and that was kind of a pucker factor effect and, uh, but we're airborne and we're flying. And so now I'm in pursuit, but yeah, that was, uh, that was exciting to, uh, have the runway or the earth just drop out from underneath you. I've never done that before. <laughs> so, um, Sedona, right? Yeah. The totally. USS Sedona. Like, the USS I think Sedona. call that the USS Catalina. I, I, that would, I would be right on board with calling it that. Cause that was, uh, that was exciting. That was cool. You know, Honestly, now in retrospect, I think I would rather take off uphill like we did than be at the top of the hill rolling down going, God, please, everything work, you know, <laughs> and rolling downhill. That, that's the whole reason why here in Phoenix uh, or up north in, in, uh, in Sedona, why we land on runway three, even with up to, they say, a 10-knot tailwind. 
because that uphill, um, you know, with gravity means so much to you that you're, you're going to be fine. You wouldn't believe how many people has rolled off the other end of that runway on that downhill slope. Oh, I bet. Yeah, it's not a great place for an aborted takeoff. <laughs> it sucks. Wow. Wow. So we, uh, we ended up, uh, so Chris took off, we're in pursuit, and then I, and then I heard Franz make his call. So he, he, he took off right behind us also. Um, Chris is starting to make his left-hand turn, and this was a great exercise for me. Um, again, with, with Fred right there, he's like, okay, now we're gonna, this is a perfect time to work on this on pursuit and how to, how to, do, how to close rapidly and, and form up. And what was really uh, interesting for me, because we were coming up on Chris's left side because of the left turn, it just seemed like he was out there forever, and then he's still out there. He's still out there. He's still out there, and then he gets closer. Then all of a sudden, it was like, boom, you're right there, and it was uh, it was a good learning experience. I, I, I want to say that to show that you know you're really we were really closing pretty quick on you, but it just didn't seem like it. And then once we got within probably say a hundred, well, I'd say fifty yards, that that closure got really quick. Yeah. Not un, not unsafe. I want to be clear about that. It wasn't an oh, yeah. unsafe closure, but it was all of a sudden it was like, okay, now we're we're where we needed to be, and it was interesting to see how quickly that could happen. Um, and we 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 tucked right in up under your uh, under your left wing there, you know, still probably twenty feet off or so, twenty thirty feet off, and uh, and then we just kind of hung there. And as we cruised around the island, I saw an interesting post on I don't know if it was on Twitter or if it was on Facebook. But there was a friend of Bill and Jerry's down in the marina having lunch with his family, and they saw us fly over, and they're all, "That was so cool! It was like we had entertainment with our lunch." Oh. <laughs> so I was like, "Yeah, that was me. Hey, that was me and Chris, and Fred. it was all of us, you know." And so it was, it was kind of cool. And just for the, the people listening here that, that weren't on this flight. Um, <laughs> You know, the, the, uh, the, the closures we work with in these airplanes is, is, I mean, honestly, usually between five and ten knots. It's not a lot, right? Like there's, we can't generate enough power in the airplane behind you, Chris, to catch up to you any faster than that. And you don't want to fly any slower than that, right? Because we're trying to get somewhere. So we're, we use a lot of geometry, obviously. And so it, it appears that we're closing quickly laterally. But we're, you know, you're probably doing 100 and, 117 knots. We're probably doing 122 knots. So it's it's interesting to to to, to work out these speeds, but it's really um, uh, it, it's more about it's more about recognizing when that geometry is going to change and then stopping that motion uh, and and doing that correctly. So it was a you know you flew this beautiful left turn, and so we saw you go left. We're like, hey, we we pulled lead on you, which is we put our nose in front of yours, and then we used that geometry to to close with you. So now that's a drill that we do all the time. Uh, it, we have a little training thing that we set up. The whole back half is just these turning rejoins, right? We go out and we do five of them or 10 of them. We come back and land. We go out and do that again. So we do a ton of those. Yeah, I know. It's very fair. When I took off, you were like, hey, Chris, give me five knots. So I yep. Yep. slowed down a little bit so you guys could catch up before we made, made it all the way around the island without you being there. <laughs> you just hung there with me the whole time. Um, and then you would switch from my left wing and go under and, and over to the right side and vice versa. I can't wait to get editing on this video more. I, I threw out that little teaser video, and, and that was kind of fun. But uh, I got I can't wait to get all the ATC and stuff. I think there's this one point that, that I hand the controls over to my buddy in the right seat, 
And uh, I look back and I'm like going, oh, there's Mark. He's right. There's Fred right there. You know, I was kind of freaking out that you were right there in my window, you know, so much fun. I could do that all day. And, and Chris, by freaking out, you mean you were extremely surprised because it was the first time you'd seen it and you hadn't gotten used to it yet, right? That's what you mean by freaking Just out. Just excited. Right? Yeah, yeah, you know? excited. It's, it's, I, mean, it's, I mean, you guys, I mean, I've been a listener to this podcast for a long time, and obviously you know, we, we tell stories of the flights that we take. But once you start to take flights with other pilots like this, it really completely changes uh, both your relationship with them, but also the types of, of missions that you plan. This, this is, this is. I mean, I'm just so glad you guys got a little bit of a taste of it because that's. It, it's just, it's incredible. You know, normally, you know, we go to Sedona, right? We all get in our airplanes, we all fly there, and we all tell stories. But this is something that we get to share, and something we get to do together, and that we depend on each other a little bit. So it's a very, very different type of flying. It, I, I love it. it. It's really hard to go back to flying by yourself after you've done this for a while. Yeah, it's so much. It's so much more fun, and just the coordination of it, and yeah, I don't last. There's a, there's a few, there's a few guys down here, kids actually, um, that do a lot of flying together out, out of like Mason stuff, and uh, they fly like uh, uh, Cessna one twenties and Piper Pacers and um, 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 what do you call it? Uh, um, Piper Cubs and it's just old, just some old, real slow stuff. And and they sh they put up pictures all the time of these guys doing formation flight together. It looks so much fun. I'm not sure if, if they're just doing it on their own without having any training, or you know, just or if they've actually went through any courses together. But uh, they seem to be having a lot of fun at it. So, so hopefully they they did do a little bit of you know research on it. Fred sent me a lot of of um, um, uh, manuals and and course courseware that I studied up before to to you know to be mentally prepared for what we were going to do. And you know because if you go to try to do this uh, you know cold, you're gonna you're gonna if you if you're not gonna kill yourself, you you can hurt somebody else. Yeah. Um, because if you're not, if you don't have somebody like like me, where I'm fortunate to have, you know, access to somebody like Fred that's that's willing to, you know, fly with me and trust that I'm going to be able to do things, but to have him in my ear going, okay, a little power here, a little on this, to have that reassuring voice, and then, you know, when I'm doing something good, to say, you know, that hey, you're doing a really good job right there, you nailed that, that was awesome, but but to know to have somebody right there, uh, it makes my confidence level go way up, but not you know, not confident where I'm going to do something stupid. It's just that, okay, I'm doing this safely. And, and that's the key, you know, go do it safely, you know, brief it on the ground, brief it in, you know, that everybody knows where everybody's going to be is the key. So if you're out there and you're thinking about doing this, just because we're talking about it, um, please, please, um, find somebody that, that, that knows how to do this and can give you right the proper instruction because it is a kick in the pants. I, man, this is all I want to do. I want to go out and I want to, I want to do more form two. I want to do, you know, form three. I want to do all of it, practice more and, and to be able to throw a third or a fourth in there and, and then do more, um, and, and get all this stuff and get checked out and actually be, you know, um, what's the word I'm looking for, Fred, to, to be, um, yeah, but you mean, what we call it, we call it qualified wingman. So the, the, yeah. for formation flying, there's no formal instruction, right? So like, for example, like I'm not a CFI and so, 
you know, you're not getting dual flight instruction here, but I can coach you along to, to doing some of this stuff. Um, we do have a training program at, at our club that we put together around this and you get to qualify and most train, most formation clubs or agencies have the same, same qualifications, right? So you get to qualify as a wingman in position two and position three, you get to qualify for a four ship and eventually get what, what we call a formation card that allows you to fly, um, uh, with other people. And then you get to qualify for lead, right? And then we have a, there's a basic formation course and there's a lot more intermediate, there's a lot more, there's other, you know, what we did was a lot of static stuff, right? So station keeping and position management, energy management, but there's a whole bunch of dynamic maneuvers that you can do in formation as well. And that gets really fun. But yeah, it's like anything, it's a little bit like, like aerobatics, right? There's no formal, uh, um, there's no formal, uh, you know, FAA certification for aerobatics, but you really want to get instruction and or coaching when, before you're about to get into something like that. So, so, so as we, uh, I'll jump back into where we were. So as, after we passed the marina, um, Chris, Chris said that he was, uh, he was ready to head back towards the coast. So we dropped under and got, got on his right wing and, and to prepare for, you know, making a right hand turn. And, um, so he made his turn and we followed him right along and, and, uh, you know, we started heading back towards the coast and we were, you know, talking to each other all the way. Um, one of the really cool things was we had kind of, Franz was kind of like hanging back and, you know, uh, doing his thing. And then knowing that he was, he was going to head home, uh, you know, after we hit the coastline or got close to the coastline, um, we were able to have him come up near us and we got some amazing, uh, pictures for him because he never had any, he doesn't have any, or did at, did not at the time, I can't speak, <laughs> um, did not at the time have any good uh, air-to-air shots uh, of the Mooney. So we wanted to make sure that we could put ourselves and put him in a position to get him some good images of the of, of his Mooney. Um, and that worked out really well. We got some really cool ones where he was, you know, banking away or, or coming in on us. And, and so, so hopefully he's pretty happy with all of those. Uh, those were great. I, I appreciate it. Those were outstanding shots. So I knew that, you know, it was also very fortunate because I know that Chris had, you know, a, a really good camera and and, uh, and Fred really brought his good camera too. So, uh, you know, guys like me that only had my iPhone, it was kind of a waste. But <laughs> <laughs> I was glad that they, they brought their good cameras, uh, DSLRs. So, yeah, we, uh, we did that for a while and then headed back to the coastline. And I think at about, uh, what, three miles out, Chris, you... You were gonna. Yeah. You con- you contacted SoCal and uh, we 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 actually broke formation. Uh, and because Chris was gonna head back to Pomona, but uh, we uh, went the hung a right and flew down the coastline to go down to San Diego uh, to meet up with um, with a, a friend of mine who's a former Navy SEAL, and uh, so we flew down to Montgomery. And this is where, you know, when Fred and I were talking about this, trying to plan this, he's like, wait, you want to go where? Uh, because if you, you know, you pull up the a VFR chart of that area, the airspace is insane because you've got Miramar, you've got Montgomery, which is where we went. And right below that is San Diego International. Um, above that was uh, 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 Pendleton and uh, some other things. And there's hard deck airspace and then you've got like a window and there's some VFR corridors through there. And it was crazy. And we're trying to figure out, okay, at one point in time where we were just, uh, we were what, just West of either Pendleton or Miramar, Fred, the, the SoCal controller came on and goes, um, you know, descend at your discretion. 
we're only 500 feet above Bravo airspace. And we're like, um, how are we going to descend? We're not allowed to be in the Bravo, but, (laughs) and and, and again, this is another one of those things where I was really glad that he was there because I heard her say that and I needed to be at, at X altitude. I knew I would have descended down into it. I would have busted the Bravo and then I would have been in all kinds of trouble, but he kept me in check um, and said, no, we need to stay here until we get down to, uh, I don't have a sky vector up in front of me, but, uh, there was, a, the, there was a checkpoint down there. It's, uh, Mount Soledad, I think is what it was. And this is where, um, Bill and Jerry said, fly south of Soledad. Then, you know, you, they'll, SoCal will turn you over to Montgomery tower, Montgomery tower. Well then if you, if they see that you're going to go south of Soledad, they'll know that you kind of know what you're doing and, and then it'll put you exactly in line with the, uh, with the downwind leg, um, for the, uh, for the runways there. And, uh, we did that and, uh, we talked to the controller at, at Montgomery and she was very nice, very nice and got us in position. And so we ended up getting into Montgomery and it was the one thing that I have to say about this whole weekend, it, we couldn't have, we couldn't have planned for a better day because I guess it had rained down there on Friday and then it was, it was rainy and, and kind of nasty down in San Diego on Sunday. So, but Saturday was absolutely crystal clear. So, I'm very thankful that uh, that we we were able to have that window. I'm looking at the the um, uh, four flight now, and um, it turns out there's an there's an airplane in Gillespie. And I'm just looking at this map, and I'm yeah. like, holy crap! <laughs> Did you just say Gillespie? <laughs> And it's it's be Gillespie Field, Gillespie, whatever. Yeah, yeah. S E E. Um, like I, I'm trying to parse what on earth oh, yeah. this Bravo airspace is doing because you know out here we have nice little rings and yeah, there's some shelves and stuff, but holy Dude, crap, the SFO Bravo is is just like that. It's it's nice rings. It's nice, you know. Yeah. There's a few little bubbles here and there, but yeah, down there, Fred so, and I were looking at that chart going. I'm I'm looking right now at how I would plan a flight if I went to Catalina, and it looks like I see the little um, corridor you're talking about, where it's 18 to 32. That's the one. And then you got the 68 to to 10. Yep. And uh, it looks like it's you got to stay below 68. You're gonna fly the coast. Just honestly, we went. Further on in our story, we we needed to go back to to Bracket to get fuel after we were done visiting with my friend Mm -hmm. uh, and his family. Um, hey, hey Mark, 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 can I yeah. tell this one? Because this is like yeah. this is my favorite part of the whole trip. Right? Yeah, 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 absolutely. So, so John, we're, we're we we have dinner and it's late and we can't find fuel. And we're like, let's just go back to bracket. We know where the fuel pump is, and we'll, and we'll you know it's on our way. It doesn't really you know whether we fuel there or here it doesn't really matter. So we sat, we pull out four flight. We do exactly what you just did, right? It's all blue lines everywhere. We're seven minutes. There's a there's an event at Qualcomm Stadium. There's a TFR that's going to come in. So we've got you know seven minutes, six five minutes to get off the ground. And get out of that area. Okay. So the stadium is right there. We fly over the parking lot, right? Yeah. So we're looking at all these lines. We've got all this figure. I'm like, Mark, I got this. We got this figured out. No problem. Here's what I, I, I just trust me. We got this, right? So we go to the runway. We do our run up. We take off at about two minutes to spare. We go wheels up. We call SoCal. We're like, hey, SoCal, we tell them what, what we're going to do. And this is what they come back with. And they say, what, what was the call sign, Mark? 27 Whiskey? So, yeah. hey, 27 Whiskey cleared into Bravo. VFR, your discretion. Nice. We just, we just looked at each other like, dude, 
we just put all this planning in for <laughs> like, I think I want to fly my plan. It was perfect. Oh, How so much easier. I think that was the first time somebody's ever been disappointed by Clinton the Bravo VFR <laughs> Absolutely, because we're like, we've got to be here, and then we've got to be here, and don't go into this spot, and, and you know, we're just like, right. be between this altitude, and they're like, yeah, you're good. You're good. And then I'm like, all right, guys, we're going to press our luck, right? Hey, can we fly right through the Pendleton restricted area? Like, oh, yeah, go for it. Like, all right, thanks. Oh, that's approved. It's like, all you want. Amazing. All right. Yeah, and then we go up to the uh, the nuclear plant right there, the nuclear facility. They're like, oh, yeah, 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 you can go. He calls up. He's like, can we get into our, you know, one, two, three, four? Yeah, yeah, you're good to go. What? <laughs> this never happens. Yeah. <laughs> of course, and it's, you know, I don't know. What time do we get out of there? Uh, I don't know. Nine, nine o'clock. It must have been like five, five minutes. Five minutes. Five to to, yeah, five to nine. That's right. And, and that was the thing. We started, I don't want to say panic, but there was a little bit of concern going. We're looking at our watch going. Crap, the tower closes at 9. There's a TFR at Qualcomm. If we don't get off the ground before the tower closes, we're spending the night. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, oh, no. So, yeah, we were... Wow. Yeah, oh, well, I mean, we call. weren't rushed, but it was just... Yeah, we're wheels up at, like, 5 till. <laughs> you can call and get permission. It's a yeah. it's a TFR, but the stadium TFRs you're allowed to go through with ATC permission. Yeah. We, we, we kind of talked about that, too, but it was just one of those, crap... It's just another thing that we got to go through. But, yeah, once we got in the air, they're like, yeah, whatever. Do what you got to do. The TFR was probably up to, what, 3,000? Uh, I don't yeah. remember. Usually, they're like yeah. two or three, something like that. I know when I, when, I flew back, when I flew back to Pomona from uh, Catalina, of course, there's a standard TFR over top of uh, Disneyland at 3,000 feet. And I, I was right over top of it at 3,500 feet because that's where ATC dropped me down to. I was at 45, and they told me, to go down to 35, I'm like, mm, okay. So, got some pretty cool shots of uh, Disneyland from from uh, 3,500 feet. So, when you guys went down to, I'm just thinking here. Um, when you guys went down to San Diego, how did you go back to the coast? Just straight out departure out of out of Montgomery because if the the airport that we went into, if you find Miramar and San Diego International, it's like right in between the two. Yeah. So. So we just departed straight out, um, two two or whatever it was, and and uh, it took us right to the coastline. I mean, quickly. It's not okay. that far away. Yeah. All right. I see. So, yeah. Then once once we we basically rounded the corner and we were right back up the coastline, following it, and and then uh, yeah, there was one one restricted area we wanted. We I I guess they said that we had to stay out of, or we chose to stay out of. Um, it's it's part of that nuclear plant. I see that um, giant block of uh, uh, restricted area. Yeah, so it's there. right on the coast. Is that right the yeah. plant that San Onfray power plant? Might be. Like I said, it's San Onfray. It's actually, it's actually tricky there. There's actually two. There's actually two restricted areas, one on top of the other, and one of them was active, and the other one wasn't. So, uh, yeah. So we ended up uh, rounding that corner uh, around the power plant, and, and I mean, right into uh, right into a bracket. Landed nice and quiet, fueled up. Um, did our did our did our last minute business, and then uh, took off out of there. And as we're in the, uh, we had just basically left the downwind. I would say we were probably maybe what three miles away. Mm-hmm off the downwind and we started getting uh we got lasered 
And and it, and I don't want to say fortunate for us, but unfortunate for Fred because it came off the right side, and I could tell that that it, it it got him. I'm like, are you okay? He's like, yeah, I'm fine. I'm looking at him, and he's kind of like little little stunned. I'm like, oh, <laughs> sorry, um, but it was one of those things. It was like I I'd never experienced that, and I saw what it did to him, and I was like, I I almost keyed up to to call SoCal, and um, what was it? There was a helicopter that got hit, and then there was an airliner that got hit, like, really shortly thereafter. Fred, do you remember? That's, yeah. Mm-hmm. There was a Southwest 737 and, I think, a police helicopter that actually got uh, got hit by a laser, which I'm, I'm assuming then they then went and investigated. Yeah, they, they went right down, and, I mean, there was uh, probably within 30 seconds of when I was going to make a call, they uh, you start to hear all this coming up on the, the chatter started to pick up. Um, so, yeah, that was a little a little scary. Um, Why I bring a laser with me when I shoot it back at him? Yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> point right back at him until the police get there. That's right, especially when there's an AR-15 attached to it. <laughs> so anyway, that was honestly that was uh, well in in SoCal. That was basically all the excitement. The the rest of the flight home was was dark and quiet and. Uh, I actually, I, Fred actually kind of kept me calm. We got way up more north as we're heading back up into the, uh, uh, I can't think of what that valley name is right now. It just blanked on me. Um, but as you get out of the, as you get out of the, the main, the, the bowl of California, you start heading up more towards the, uh, the inner, inner mountain or the outer mountain line there. Um, there are just ridge lines. We go in between two ridge lines and, it was actually kind of dark, and I and I could see there was just enough moonlight that I could see they were below us. But it was a it was a weird comfort level for me. It was it was I don't want to say it was it wasn't spatial disorientation or anything like that. But I I couldn't see ahead of me, and I'm looking at these and I'm and and we had we had um, um, Fred had his his Garmin, which actually has you know terrain sensing on it. And we were we were good. We were good according to the computer. We were good. Um, and we were actually lower on our way down than we were on our way back. Um, so I knew we were clear, but I, I would, it just looked black in front of me. There was no lights, no anything. I, I started to get really uncomfortable. So I, you know, we talked about it and Fred's like, if you're uncomfortable, let's, let's go ahead and climb up. I mean, there's nothing to say that you can't do that. So I did, I ended up climbing up another 500 feet, but it was a, it's the very first time for me flying at night that I felt uncomfortable because I couldn't, there was, there was nothing to judge, um, myself to the ground or, you know, and so that was the one thing that, uh, that, that, uh, I don't know of the whole trip. I, I had said this later that if, when I plan this kind of a trip again, I won't make that nighttime return on the same day. Um, it was just, we ended up putting in, just under 11 hours of Hobbs time for that entire trip. And that last, what, three, three hours, I think was, I found my new maximum, I would say. Um, everything was fine. Um, you know, once we started getting more lights underneath us, we got towards Hollister and, uh, I think it's Hollister Gilroy area. Um, everything was fine because then you're, 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 your spatial orientation starts to come back in, but I was—I have to honestly say that was the first time I've actually been really concerned um, because I couldn't tell where I was, 
And I, 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 it wasn't like I was, everything was level and it was fine. It was just, I couldn't see out the front. It was dark and I'm looking at my instruments. We're good. We're level. We're not turning. We're not doing anything. And so everything was fine that way. But and I trusted my instruments and trusted my airplane and trusted my, my, uh, my, I won't say co-pilot, my, my fellow pilot that was there. And, uh, uh, so everything was fine. But uh, once we got lights underneath us, I, I, I started to feel a lot more comfortable. So, um, I've heard stories of, of pilots that have, that have lost that, that spatial relation and have, and have gotten in themselves into trouble. So again, this is another situation where I was glad that I had Fred there, somebody to talk to confirm that we're okay. And, you know, but anyway, so moving back on, um, we ended up, uh, we ended up getting into the, the back into Palo Alto and, and everything was fine. Um, landed there, dropped Fred off. And then I, I jammed back home and I, I ended up, I ended up getting home about 1am. Uh, yeah, about 1am back to Lincoln. Um, and that was a full day. That was a full day of flying. It was amazing. It was a great experience. Um, but yeah, that was, like I said, just, just, it was like 10.9 on the Hobbs. So that was a lot of flying. That sounds like a lot of fun. Uh, well, is it getting late for everybody else? Well, John hasn't gone yet. No, John hasn't went. We're only two hours and 20 Oh yeah. Cause I do all this flying, you know, John, tell, <laughs> tell us about the flying that you've seen. Um, actually, no, I think I have done a flight since, um, me and Chris talked and everybody will hear that soon. Um, and that was just to finish out my, uh, open airplane checkout. I'm actually officially checked out an open airplane right now in the 172, um, steam and 172, uh, G1000. Um, Woo-hoo. Woo-hoo. Nice. however, due to a twist of fate, I'm actually do not have a BFR right now. <laughs> um, <laughs> I didn't get the sign off for that. We were going to do one more flight and now I'm having a lot of issues getting a flight actually scheduled with the instructor. So I'm just calling it quits there going back to, um, bread aviation where I've been flying out for a while just to knock out the BFR. Cause you need to get done by the end of the month. Um, before I head out to San Diego. Um, cause I just need somebody to just sign my logbook and, <laughs> um, cause I've done more than a BFR at this point. Uh, I just John, don't have the signature. Doesn't a, an open airplane checkout, sort of isn't can't you do it with the bfr at the same time and doesn't it is more than a bfr it's more she did not sign my logbook oh okay so it was i needed i needed to get to 100 hours for um i'm doing some life insurance stuff so i needed to get there so she was like well you need one more flight so what i'll do is why don't i i'll sign it next time just come out and do one more flight with me because the first flight we had was a little iffy and she was kind of uncomfortable and i get it my landings were completely i mean it's terrible i it's like i forgot how to fly it was really weird um the second flight was great i mean the landings were fine it was mostly let's figure out the g1000 um and kind of doing a lot of she was throwing a lot of stuff at me that way but i mean the flight went really well i was way more comfortable that flight and so um she was basically like you know i could sign you off but why don't we do a night flight, get night current, and we'll do one more since you need the hours anyway, and then I'll give you the signature then. Um, which I was like, okay, I mean, that sounds fine. I need the hours anyway, but um, it's just been, I've been trying for like a month now to schedule the flight, and like, I like email, and then I won't hear anything, and it's just been, like, it's taking too long to get something scheduled, and so I'm like, I just need to go and get it done. So um, I got recommended another instructor since my buddy left, um, Brett to go fly for the airline. So I'm just going to head up there get it done and, um, 
be good to go. So I'll have all of my stuff. And then um, I found out actually, due to all the life insurance stuff I'm doing right now, um, they want me to have 25 hours in the last year, and I currently have 10. Um, and a lot of those hours actually will expire because a lot of it was in January. Because like Chris, I think I flew like once last year, um, which was actually in January. So all of my yearly hours have been doing the, the checkout. So really, it's like two flights. Um, so I need to get like 20 hours in the next like three months. Um, well, that sounds like fun. Yeah, yeah. And, and John, just uh, you know, when you're in San Diego, come visit us. That's six hours right there. That's an easy way. Oh uh, yeah, I would, I would love to. It's just, can I, can I get away from the family for that long? Sure, you <laughs> can. That's what family. You might be, in trouble. You might be grounded that, for months, but uh... that, that's what this, that's what Disney World's for. Yeah, you, you know, you could get the twenty hours. Actually, I'm, go- I'm going to Disney to San Diego. World. <laughs> I could. Yeah. Um. Yeah, that's not going to happen. It's um, 20 hours whether you fly to San Diego or fly around Baltimore. <laughs> well, no, I'm going to do some. I'm going to do at least a flight or two out there. And I'm thinking about doing one in Phoenix now um, since I need the hours anyway. And I'll be there in two days. So I'm thinking maybe, Chris, we can meet up somewhere. <laughs> There's an open airplane out there. So gotcha. I don't know. I'm, uh, I'm looking. I'm going to take my nephew up when I'm out in San Diego. So that's one of the flights I definitely want to do. Um, and then I do want to go to first flight, um, down in North Carolina. That's one thing I've always wanted to do. And that's like a good four or five hours there. So, um, I'm just gonna do a bunch of stuff. I always wanted to do that. I haven't been able to yet. Cause it's just been hard to get the hours in. So not knocking out bucket list stuff is, is, is awesome to do, especially with GA. Yeah. This, so this past, I'm like, this past weekend I did a bunch of that. <laughs> Well, I thought, too, I was like, man, I could get like half an IFR for that. But then I was like, but the cost there is I had to pay the instructor the whole time. And like as much as I want to, I think it makes more sense right now just based on our, my situation is just to do a lot of these flights and just start doing some go places things just to get that experience, too, um, on like good days and all that kind of stuff. And then I can reevaluate after all of this on, on how I want to get the IFR done. Cause I definitely something I want to do and I'm going to have to do it at some point. Yeah. So if you're going to go and visit California and Phoenix in January, you need to fly up to Minneapolis in January. Right. <laughs> that sounds, that sounds like terrible. I'm just saying, I, I'm not going to be able to pack that. The, the, the clothes needed to do that. Oh, granted. I, I thought about flying to sun and fun too, but that's a little further away. Um, like time-wise in April, so we were talking about that too. For 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 us out here on the West Coast, it's called Southwest or Delta, or <laughs> they did the they did the they did the mental math, and and, and it was like ridiculous. Yeah, it, it would it would be kind of awesome though to all go to uh, somewhere up here in the in the uh, in the Northeast and fly down to Southern Fun from here. That might be cool. That would be cool. So he's saying here because he's actually in D.C., John. Oh, sorry. Oh. I'm, in, I'm in Baltimore right now. So just You're in Baltimore. All right. Well, just, just, hi. Just for tonight. Just for, yeah, just for tonight, though. I mean, <laughs> but yeah. <laughs> so you're not far from me? <laughs> no. Because <laughs> I'm just south of Baltimore. So, um. It is midnight here as well is basically what I'm trying to say. But no, uh, no, that'd be a cool trip to, uh, to see if we could put together because we've just done the West Coast. It'd be great to see if we can do the East Coast as well. But, you know, put and two, actually, two, yeah. two people per plan. And, and actually, yeah, Sun and Fun looks, 
Looks likely, and yeah, if splitting it, I mean, that does sound like something that that probably swings. So, um, that'd be interesting because that'd be that'd be pretty cool. I'd love to do that. I, it's like six or seven hours to fly down there. It's not it's not too bad. So, anyway, seven and a uh, half from here. Uh, in what? <laughs> in the Mooney. In the Mooney. Yeah. <laughs> the, the slippery rocket. Um. But for me, really, that's uh, that's what I did as I got that that last flight in. So I've gotten um, two flights in since January, <laughs> and uh, uh, the G one thousand is cool, man. I love that thing. That was a blast. Um, she was throwing all kinds of stuff at me, and um, I still have not wrapped my head around the autopilot completely yet. I need to study that more. But um, um, the system itself is just awesome. There's just so much awareness that you get with it. Though Which it's, one is it? Which one is it, John? Is it the GFC 700 in that airplane, or is it? The... Um, I think it was a GFC 700. Yeah. Um, but it, the problem was is that studying for it, I didn't study the autopilot. I studied the actual G1000 because I didn't know what autopilot had in it. And then she started like kind of trying to do it on the fly, and I'm like, I'm just, <laughs> just wasn't sinking in. Um, uh, but because uh, at one point she did something. And she was like, yeah, just go ahead and click on the autopilot. And we did. And whatever she had in, we were at like 3,000 feet. And it was like, no, I want to go to 1,800. And it was like the plane starting to dive. And um, like, that is not what I wanted to do. Um, so a little scary at first. But uh, but yeah, so that's what I did. I'm about to fly a whole bunch and hopefully do some out in San Diego and all that. But get my butt back in the airplane. So. Right. So this was a long episode, and, and John's got some work to do. I do, I do. So, so let's do shoutouts. Who's got shoutouts? Well, I'll start. Um, just a, a huge shout out to uh, to Bill Rope for uh, coming up to from San Diego and picking us up and taking us up to Camarillo for a great brunch. It was uh, incredible meeting you and uh, getting to fly with you. And our family had a great time, and it was a great flight. And uh, we look forward to, uh, as we talked about, Mark, making this an annual event. Absolutely. I'm, I'm all for that. Absolutely. Here, too. Franz is down with that. And we'll have to get Andy to come. A- after Andy saw the pictures, he's like, yeah. I totally he missed out. Up. Our buddy Andy, who, who uh, goes to church with us and stuff, with the, uh, he's got a... A36. Yeah, he's got an A36 Bonanza. He's like, I done messed up. I should have went. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh... We hope to make it bigger and better next year, right? Instead of uh, four planes, we'll get it up to five or maybe six. That'd be great. So I got some feedback after after Ron saw all the, the, the pictures and everything, and he said the same thing. He's like, man, if I didn't have something scheduled, I really wanted to go. Dude, I was hitting him up months out. Months out. He said, I, I think I think it was family. I don't know yeah. if it was family yeah, or if it was actually a student. In town, yeah. It's Thanksgiving you know, weekend, so what are you going to do? So. Well, next time we'll, we'll we'll call it the annual hold up invitational, and we'll make it. Easy. <laughs> there you go. We'll have T-shirts I, next time. <laughs> it's the Catalina wine mixer. <laughs> Except for with airplanes, not helicopters. Some of you might not have seen that movie, but uh, anyways, rent it. Anyways, uh, shout out to uh, Bill Rowe. Thanks, man. Awesome time. We had a great, great, uh, a great visit. Look forward to seeing you next year. Uh, I've got one. Uh, shout out to Warren McVeigh, the uh, recently retired tower manager from Minneapolis Crystal, uh, Mike India Charlie. Uh, just uh, have uh, had some good exchanges with him and a real good guy and uh, look forward to seeing him around the, the surface area uh, of the field. Awesome. 
my, my number one shout out is, is for Fred. Thank you so much for going down there and, and, and keeping me in check and keeping me, uh, keeping me honest. Um, that trip would not have been as cool as it was if you weren't there. So thank you for going. Likewise, man. Likewise. So we're going to definitely be doing a lot more flying together because I, he and I, when we fly together, I think, and this, maybe it's just me, but I, I, I kind of got the feeling it's the same, but we actually, as a team, function very well together in, a, in an aircraft. So uh, I think we're going to do a lot more flying together, besides the fact I want to do more, a lot more form stuff. So um, we'll see how that goes in the, uh, in the semi-near future. Um, uh, also, uh, to Bill, and it was really good to meet Jerry. Um, you guys are great, great guys, and uh, thanks for coming up and, uh, and meeting with us, Bill. And, and thank you for your uh, guidance down there in uh, San Diego. That it, uh, it made a big difference when we got down there. Um, otherwise, that, that's pretty much it, pretty much it for me. How about cool. uh, Fred uh, or Franz? You guys have anything? Franz, you got a shout out, probably. No, just thanks for the yeah. the invite. It was good to come along, and I'll definitely plan on doing it again next year. Awesome. Awesome. Well, let's um, go ahead and wrap uh, wrap this thing up and uh, let everybody know where they can find us online. Um, let's, man, I'm going to look at the Skype here. Uh, Chris, let's start with you. <laughs> All right. Um, you can shoot me an email at chris at inthepatternpodcast.com. Or uh, you can always find me on tri- Twitter at uh, C-Holubazy. That's C-H-O-L-U-B-A-Z. And uh, Franz, you want to let us know anything? Uh, if anybody needs to email me about anything, fhforman at gmail.com. No E in Foreman. Or at FranzFormanAZ on Twitter. Awesome. And uh, Mark, how about you? Uh, Mark at In the Pattern Podcast. Um, I think it's uh, Mark Lacoste on Facebook. And then C-A- pilot mark on twitter um yeah absolutely reach out to me and if you have any questions i'll be happy to answer otherwise i'll send you to one of these guys who's probably got a better answer <laughs> cool and uh fred how about you uh best best for me is instagram and it's uh, fred with the three like frtd flies and there's a whole bunch of uh, airplane stuff on there and drone stuff on there as well uh, that sounds awesome and uh brad how about you you can reach me at brad at in the pattern podcast.com on the Facebook or on Twitter as uh, Brad Kane, and it's Kilo Oscar Echo Hotel November, just like it sounds. All right. And uh, you can reach me, John, at in the pattern podcast.com on Twitter at Pilot Conway, uh, and occasionally on YouTube masquerading with the other people's airplanes guys at Fly OPA. Um, for the entire podcast, you can reach all of us at podcast at in the pattern podcast.com or in Twitter is in the pattern, or you can like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash in the pattern podcast. Uh, show notes for this episode and other episodes can be found on our website at in the pattern podcast.com. Uh, go ahead and uh, send us any of your suggestions, comments, or critiques. We'd love to get any feedback from our listeners. And if uh, you could go ahead and just give us a quick uh, review on iTunes, that would uh, really be appreciated and help others um, find the show. So with that, we'll wrap up whatever episode number this is of In the Pattern Podcast. I'd like to thank y'all for listening. And remember, make left traffic. You're cleared for the option. and other great shows at the Aviation Media Network. The Voices in Your Head.com.
control. I will try to find all the pieces and put them together. Two hours, awesome. 25 minutes. <laughs> That's awesome. Before it, before it gets too crazy here. Now that we have a puppy. <laughs> we saw. And, and a kid on the way, but nobody knows that yet. Oh! Whoa! <laughs> Woo! So you're... There's no airplane in your future now. Yeah. Uh, no, and so... <laughs> you got screwed up, son! <laughs> you got the Volvo. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> yeah, I know. Cessna. 